Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all out this morning. A bit blustery outside, but it's beginning to calm down, we believe. Anyhow, you're all very welcome here in person or online if you're watching through our church app, Facebook Live, listening later on CD, or indeed watching later on YouTube. You're all very welcome indeed. And on your behalf this morning, we bid a welcome back to Mark. No stranger to us. Good to have you back, Mark. Welcome back, and welcome back to Naomi as well. Good to see you too. And we look forward to hearing what the Lord has laid upon your heart for each of us today, Mark. So thank you. Just a wee reminder, folks, about a few announcements that I have. This afternoon at 3 p.m., the PW prayer meeting will be in the church hall. Then looking to the week ahead, Wednesday the 16th is midweek Bible study at 8 o'clock. There will be no GB on Thursday evening. And Friday the 18th, BB will resume as normal. Next Sunday the 20th, the guest speaker will be the Reverend Ken Nelson. And just a reminder that the prayer meeting will be at 11 o'clock each Sunday morning in the church hall. Just by way of an advance announcement, we mentioned very briefly last week, on Saturday the 9th of April, the Looking After Yourself event in the Hilltown Farmer's Market for farming families and farmers. That'll be on Saturday the 9th of April, as I say, from 7.30 to 8.30 a.m. Apparently there's a free breakfast from half seven to eight, so that may be the encouragement to be there. Uh, but I'm led to believe some of the organizations involved in this event is the Ulster Farmers Union, the Young Farmers Clubs of Ulster, the Rural Support, Air Ambulance, and so on. And the Reverend Kenny Hanna, the Rural Chaplain, will be there also. More information on this event will be on the screens in the coming weeks. And just something to say, folks, as well, uh, for those who are perhaps still listening online and maybe just don't feel comfortable about coming back to church yet, just to say that we still are managing the church environment very safely and securely to encourage as many people back into church uh, in the future. So our rules are sort of still the same, or guidelines, sorry, I should say, are still the same. We wear our masks until we are seated, uh, and we can remove our masks once we're into church, into our pew, but we put our masks back on again when we're singing. That's just uh, to keep us all safe and to encourage folk back to church again. And equally, uh, in managing uh, the exit of church, uh, this side here will still leave by this door here to my left and the opposite aisle will go out their normal way and the, the gallery waits at an appropriate time until they can leave freely. It's all just a matter of encouraging people back into a safe environment. I think we've managed COVID-19 very well here, very safely, very securely and so it would be great to, see, to encourage more people who just haven't had the confidence to come back to uh, encourage them back to church again. These are all the announcements, and I hand over to Mark. Thank you. I'll call to worship this morning. We turn to the words of Psalm 99 and the first three verses. They say this The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. As we gather into worship this morning, we have really a plethora of things that could distract us. 
many things that have the potential to cause us even great distress and anxiety, things that capture our attention and tempt us to take our eyes off our Saviour and our God. We might look away from him because we become afraid and scared of things happening in our world today. We are at times of little faith. But we are the Lord's people. We trust in our God. And the start of this psalm gives us such a great encouragement. Because higher than all the kings of earth is our God, sitting between the cherubim. Therefore we have nothing to fear, for the Lord reigns. We will not fear men and leaders of this world, but we will fear God. We will exalt him above the nations who rage and the kingdoms who war, for he is enthroned in heaven forever, and he is holy. Praise to the Lord, who o'er all things so wondrously reigneth. All ye who hear, now to his temple, draw near, joining in glad adoration. Let's stand and sing those words now as we come and worship our God with our first hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty.
Let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Praise to the Lord. Oh, let the whole that is in me adore him. Father God, that is our prayer this day. And at the beginning of this service, as we come and praise before you, how wonderfully you do shield us from harm and sustain us in our fainting. Father, may we all be as one this morning, joining in glad and thankful adoration. As we come to you, Father, we come as people with two homes, one below and one on high, one temporary and one eternal, one stained with sin, but the other without blemish. For we are citizens of heaven already. Therefore, what have we to fear in this world? Our hope is secure, our confidence unshakable. For our Saviour lives and reigns at your right hand, the Son of God, the King of kings, the one from whom we have gained entry into that celestial city by whose wounds we are healed and made righteous before our holy and awesome God. Father, as we come in worship this morning, we pray that we will keep our eyes fixed on our Saviour. We dare not avert our gaze to the storms that rage around us, for we would only be overwhelmed and sink beneath the waves. Focus our eyes on you, O Lord, and may you teach us now by your own word, let no one leave this place today without encountering the Messiah. May he be to everyone here their saviour and mighty deliverer. It's in his name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, our Bible reading this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 14. Very well-known passage. Matthew chapter 14 and beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, <clears throat> It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. And we'll end our reading there. Boys and girls, who here? owns a bike or at least enjoys cycling show me your hands if you have a bike yeah okay lots of you most of you have bikes that's a really good thing to have a bike uh, cycling's really good for you keep you fit and keep you healthy 
And maybe you'll be doing a wee bit more of it shortly because uh, maybe your mums and dads will be sending you to school on your bikes by the look of things. But I used to love going out on the bike. There's not too many roads on the other side of the mountains out there that I haven't been cycling around on the bike many times. Lots of people love going for a ride on their bike. And I want to tell you a story that a man told me a good while ago now. It's a true story. And I'm not going to tell you his name because he might be embarrassed by the end of it. But he was out cycling one day. I think he was a bit like me. He liked going out around the roads on the bike. But he was cycling one day and he came across a river. And of course, he wanted to go across to the other side. But there was a problem. Because there was no bridge in sight. And he went up and down the, the banks of the river along it to try and see if there was a way to get across. But he couldn't find any real good way to get across without, without getting wet. But he was determined. He wasn't going to turn back. And eventually he came across a tree that had fallen down across the river. One side of it on one side, or one end of it on one side of the river and the top of it on the other. And he thought, well, maybe this is a way to get across. There was no bridge, so... He weighed up his options. And he knew that he couldn't take his bike across with him by the side. He couldn't just walk it across because there wasn't enough room in this log. He thought about carrying it across, but then he was afraid maybe if he carries it, he wouldn't be able to see his feet. He would lose his balance. So really there was only one option that was left. So he hopped on his bike and he began to balance himself on this bit of a fallen down tree and he started across the river. And I'm sure he was wondering how he was going to do it. Was he going to go slow and steady and try and balance himself? Or would he just go flat out across the river and hope for the best? I probably would have went for the second option. But he told me he went for the, the slow and the steady option. And it started off quite well. He was confident. He had good balance. He kept his focus on the log and on the other side of the river, trying his best not, look, not to look down because I think he was a brave bit above the water. But then he started to worry. He realized just how high up he was. He began to get distracted. He took his eyes off the narrow trunk of the tree and he panicked. He lost his focus. And you can guess what happens next. Because down he went into the river bike and all. He got soaked, he was sore, he was battered and bruised, and I don't think the bike fared too well after the incident either. And it all happened because he took his eyes off the log. He looked around him at the things that didn't really matter in that moment. He lost his focus and looked at the wrong things. And that's a little bit like what happened to Peter in that passage that we've just read together. You all know the story. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water towards him, so he gets out of the boat. He walks on the water to Jesus to meet him. There's a big storm going on at the time. But it doesn't really bother Peter because he's focused on Jesus. But as soon as he looks around him at the wind and the waves, he panics and he begins to sink. And then he needs rescued. And boys and girls, that's a lot like what can happen in our lives and in the Christian life so often. Because there are so many things in this world that will worry us and scare us 
and at times cause us to be distracted and sometimes we almost forget about Jesus altogether. We look at the things that, we look at those things almost more than we look to him. But all that it ever does is cause us to sink and to be overwhelmed. All the things that were going on around Peter, whether it was the wind or the waves, they didn't bother him in the slightest as long as he looked at Jesus. The storm didn't get any worse. The winds weren't any stronger. But he just looked around him and he was distressed. He was scared for his own safety. That's why in the Christian life it's so important to always look to Jesus. To never take our eyes off him. He gives us such wonderful peace when the things around us are scary and distressing. It's not that the storms don't come to us. Of course they do. But he gives us such wonderful peace. But we must always Focus our eyes on him. He's the one that calmed the storm, isn't he? He's the one that walked on the waves. He's the son of God. Who else could we look to? Who could we ever trust more when everything around us is causing us stress and worry? And it's wonderful, you know, that even if we do get distracted and if we do feel like we're sinking, all we have to do is turn our eyes back to Jesus and focus on him and ask for his help and he will bring us through it boys and girls he'll just he'll save you all you have to do is ask what a wonderful message what a wonderful saviour and friend that Jesus is to us we're going to sing about looking to Jesus now with the words of our next hymn it's very short but we'll sing it well focus my eyes on you after which the boys can leave the boys and girls can leave for Sunday school
Well, it's at this point in our service that we come to our prayers of intercession, and today I want to focus on a few of the, the bigger issues that are facing us in our world today and, of course, in our continent. So let's come together in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to, to come and, and to meet in your presence this morning. We thank you that all over the world this day, your people will gather for worship in spirit and in truth. People from all walks of life, from different tribes and tongues. Some will meet freely, others will meet in secret, yet you, our God, will be glorified. And Father, we do think of our, our brothers and sisters across the globe this morning. We think especially of those who are caught up in, in battles and, and war, even today in Ukraine. We see on our TV screens the horrors of conflict again on our own continent. We think of the people of that country, even those from Northern Ireland who have, who have gone out to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, those who have been missionaries maybe for years, still refusing to leave because there is work still to do and a wonderful example they are. We lay them before you now. Father, one thing we hear on the news over the past few weeks is the complete disbelief that war is happening again in our, in our continent. Even Christian leaders cannot believe that nation rises against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Yet your word says that it will happen. It's nothing new. And it's even to be expected. Father, help us to know the times that we live in. According to your word, this is the beginning of birth pains. So let us continue to do the work that you have placed us here to do. Help us to use the time we have to bring the good news to all the nations so that your word may be fulfilled. Father, we ask that you will be with all the people caught in conflict. War is to be expected, but it's still an awful thing. And we ask that you bring it to a swift conclusion. And more importantly, Father, may your will be done. May you bring about a great interest in your word. May the Christians of Ukraine and, and other countries who are receiving refugees even be able to show their faith in a way that they could not before. May others see their peace and their contentment that only you can provide and desire to know it for themselves. Father, we pray for the leaders of the world at this time too. Those on both sides of the conflict, May they come to their senses and may they be wise in their decisions. We don't want things to escalate yet so easily they could, but only you, Father, can prevent such a disaster. May the leaders of our countries turn to you for divine guidance and wisdom. And let us not cry for blood of those who do evil, but instead help us pray for them, knowing that whatever end they take, they will one day stand before you. Whether they are presidents or prime ministers or sovereigns, they will all answer to their God one day. And even those who have done good in the eyes of man, if they have not a saviour in your son, will spend an eternity with those they call evil. We pray for those displaced by the fighting, fleeing for their lives, families torn apart, men left behind to fight while their loved ones run to other countries to escape. May they each know your comfort. May their focus turn to their God. 
Father, provide for their needs, each one. This war is causing more than just loss of life and loss of home. We think too of many in other countries who are now facing difficult financial situations. Father, the cost of essentials is driving many people to the brink. There will be many who will be cold because they cannot afford to heat their homes. There are those who cannot afford to run their, their cars and vans for work. Even the price of food has gone up so much that many who live from hand to mouth are, are now struggling to feed their families. But again, we turn to you. We know you are a God who provides. We know that there is a Savior who is waiting, waiting to grab us before we sink beneath the tempest. May this crisis cause many to call out to Christ. In the same words of Peter, Lord, save me. And even come to know that, know that truly this is the Son of God. Father, just as we read out at the beginning of the service, we know that you still reign. Despite all that we see in our world today that's happening, it actually just proves your word is true. The nations may rage and, and rise up against one another, but we know that one day they will tremble before the presence of Almighty God. Father, we pray that day may come soon. We pray for the soon return of our mighty Saviour. And we pray that soon all our brothers and sisters in Christ will wear the pure white linen, being in his likeness, singing for an eternity, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, as we come now to study your word, may you grant us understanding. Help each of us to know your presence, to put away all thoughts that would distract us from what you have to teach us now. May you speak to each heart through your word. In your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, as we come to this passage this morning, if you have a good memory, you might think it's not unlike the passage that we studied a few months ago now uh, when Jesus calmed the storm. We have a lot of similarities. We have the disciples in a boat. We have a big storm. We have a demonstration of Christ's power over nature. And even some of his words are very similar. Oh, you have little faith. But I assure you that there is a lot more to learn from this passage this morning. It's a very well-known passage. One that all of us probably know from our childhood. But we can learn something each time we come to Scripture. And I hope that's the case for us here today. But the main thrust of this passage really comes about halfway through when we read of Peter's interaction with Christ on the water. But before we even get there, I want to bring out a couple of points very quickly. Three things that we learn in the first half of this passage. And the first thing is this. Oftentimes, obedience can lead to storms. We see that in the first verse that we're looking at, verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him. He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him. So the disciples get into the boat. They head out into the middle of the water because Christ has told them to. He said he'll follow on in a little while. You go on and I'll catch up as such. But of course, as the night wears on and the darkness thickens, this tempest begins to rise. And hopefully... You'll remember that when we studied the miracle of Jesus calming the storm, how these tempests could be 
brought about almost in the blink of an eye in this region. And this is no different. Another example. Verse 24 tells us that those in the boat, they're being tossed about, beaten by the angry waves. The wind is against them, and the boat was a long way from land, far from the peaceful shore. So they're in danger. There's no doubt about that. Some of them may have been anxious, scared even. The boat could easily toss over, and if it did, all in it could drown. But the master of the sea was the one who sent them. The one whom they had seen calm the storm already. By being obedient to their saviour, it seems that they are in danger. At least they are distressed. It's not because of disobedience. It's not some kind of punishment. It's not like the prophet Jonah who, uh, when running from God, caused a great storm to come upon him. And others in the boat with him. It's nothing like that. These men are in the middle of a restless sea because their saviour has sent them there and because they have listened. Obedience to Christ took them into the heart of the storm. And it does for many of us at times too. Many people think that by becoming a Christian and faithfully following a loving Savior that it will be mostly plain sailing through crystal clear waters. But the truth is, much of the time the storms come when we obey our Savior. For oftentimes he leads us into the storm. Of course, only to strengthen our faith and our trust in him. But the storms still come. It's an awful mistake to think storms won't come in our life just because we follow Christ. Scripture contradicts that thought in many places. Obedience can cause the fiercest of storms to come upon us. That's the first thing. But the second thing then that gives us so much hope is this. The one that leads you into the storm also was power over the storm. Yes, we know already that he can calm the storm. And maybe the disciples thought that he would do it again, but he didn't choose to calm the sea here. Instead, he walks on it. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Christ has power over the storm. The storm that could capsize the boat with the disciples in it. The same storm and the same waves that they have absolutely no power over. Christ walks on it as if it's a purpose-built footpath. He said that he would follow. And he did. Even when it seemed impossible for him to get to them, Christ was with their disciples in their time of, of danger and distress. Even in the darkest part of the night, he was making his way to them. Even though they didn't know it. Even while he was still alone in the land, he was pleading with his father in prayer while they were struggling in the sea. It's almost a small glimpse of Christ's high priestly duties. But Jesus never fails to reach the storm-tossed disciples of this world, for he has power over every storm. Just as this physical storm is nothing to him, so too the storms of life are nothing to him either. He walks above them. We might not see him through the darkness at times. We might not always hear him with the roar of the tempest. We may be too focused on the winds that threaten to capsize our vessel. But he stands with his disciples. Always. In the midst of the storm. Even if we don't recognize him. It seems impossible that you couldn't recognize Jesus. But it happens here. Verse 26. The disciples see him. They're terrified. 
They think this must be a ghost or some kind of seafaring phantom. They cry out in fear. But next, Jesus speaks to them and assures them, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And this leads us to the third thing. Obedience to Christ can lead us to storms. Christ has power over the storms. And then thirdly, Christ's presence is enough to calm all fears. The men were trembling. And as soon as Christ speaks, all their fears are gone. Because they know the one who is standing on the sea. They now know they have no need to fear, for Christ is with them. The storm may have masked his approach, and so fear came upon them in this mighty way. But when they see him for who he is, they cannot be afraid. For he is the master of the sea. Billows as well obey. And they can say, now safe am I. They can see he is in complete control. He doesn't need to calm the storm to be with them. He doesn't need to calm the storm to show that he has dominion over it. He doesn't even need a calm sea to walk on. You can only imagine the peace that these men would feel. Even just looking into the face of Christ as he walked in the water. And seeing serenity and solace. Complete peace and ease. Despite the winds and the waves around him. You would think it would be impossible to take your eyes off him. What a magnificent God-glorifying sight it would have been. Even just his powerful presence is enough to cast away the fiercest of fears. For he is in complete control of every situation and every storm. Obedience to Christ can lead us into storms. It might not be that we're all missionaries going to the nations, which can be dangerous at times. It might not be that we're all smuggling Bibles into countries where it's banned, which could end in disaster for us. But even just living your life as a Christian, here and now, obeying Christ on a daily basis in the things that you say and do and believe, that's enough nowadays to get us into trouble. It's more than enough obedience to take us into the heart of any storm. But we must remember that Christ is the power over each storm. If he has led led us to it, then he has the power to lead us through it. The storms of life are nothing to our Saviour, who has promised his presence to us, just as he did with his disciples. And even his presence is enough. Knowing Christ is with us is the only way that we could ever hope to weather the storm and come out the other side strengthened and renewed in our faith. It's funny, isn't it? We're tempted to rush past this part of the passage to get to the action to where Peter's climbing out of the boat But we can learn so much already. He's called us to obedience and faith in our Saviour. But then we do come to Peter. And of course he's stuck in the middle of the action as usual. But again three things to take away from this interaction. There's plenty more but but just three for now. First we see Peter's confidence. Then we see his collapse. And lastly we hear his cry. You see Peter's confidence, his collapse, and his cry. So first then is confidence. Verse 28 says, And when Peter saw him, or Peter answered him, sorry, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. So Peter gets up, he steps off the side of the boat, and begins walking walking towards his Saviour 
on top of the waves. Peter has confidence in Christ. His faith seems to be strong. Jesus isn't just holding his hand here. He's not pulling him along. Peter's just focused on Christ. And his confidence comes from his presence. As long as he's focused on his Savior, he can walk in the face of the deep. And Peter's name, or the meaning of his name at least, makes it all the more interesting, doesn't it? Because we have a, a rock, a stone, on the surface of the water. You would expect him to, to sink to the bottom if he were to live up to his name. But the power of Christ is in him. And again, it's just a small glimpse of what Christ does for people. The kind of power that he can bestow on those who faithfully make him the focus of their faith. Peter has confidence. And his faith is strong here because the object of his faith is strong. The point is that if your eyes are always on Christ, you can rest secure your faith will always be constant because Christ is constant. When you're weak, he is strong. On life's ocean, when the sea billows roll, it doesn't matter. You can say it as well as well with my soul. Peter has faith. He has confidence in Christ and he can walk on the water towards him. As long as he's focused on him, there's nothing to fear. The wind may howl, the waves may roar, but to Peter, for those few moments, they are absolutely nothing. They might as well not even be there. It's as if he's walking on solid ground, a clear and straight path. And it teaches us something. We might not all be able to go to Newcastle or Kilkeel or wherever there's a beach and walk on top of the waves, but Christ works an even greater miracle in us. We can walk above the restless spiritual sea. He can allow us to rise above the waves, even though they rage, if we make him our focus. And really, would you rather walk on the waves of the sea or be able to rise above the tempest of life with the Lord of life by your side? That's the miracle that we can see daily in the life of each Christian. Whether it's peace like a river or sorrows like sea billows, it doesn't matter. It is well. It's like that lovely quote by Corey Ten Boom. Most of you will probably know of her. If you don't, her book, The Hiding Place, is really a must-read Christian biography. It's fantastic. But Corey Ten Boom says this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to Christ, you'll be at rest. Wonderful quote. If you look to the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look to the world, you'll be at rest. Or if you look to Christ, you'll be at rest. Such simple truth. As long as Peter's focus is on Christ, his confidence is not misplaced. And he can walk above the storm. It's the very definition of walking by faith. But Peter's uh, focus is then disturbed, isn't it? His confidence takes a hit. And he's shaken as soon as he looks elsewhere. And in that moment, Peter's confidence turns into his collapse. He takes his eyes off Jesus. What else is to be expected? But he starts to sink. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He looks around, he sees the wind and the waves, and he's afraid. It's funny though when you think about it, the wind, and, the wind was howling a moment ago and it didn't matter. The waves were just as strong before he looked at them. So why now? What, what's happened? It's just as simple as looking away from his Savior. He took his eyes off Christ. He looked around and he was distressed. A moment ago he looked to Christ and he was at rest. If only he had kept his eyes on Christ. If only he had been 
hadn't been distracted by what was around him. If only somebody was there to tell him, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim. Instead, he brings so much trouble on himself by simple disbelief and such unreasonable doubt. It's just like that story from the children's address. All that man had to do was to keep on going, not look around him, and he would have gone home dry with no cuts and bruises. But instead, he brought trouble on himself by being distracted by what was around him. And it's so easy to collapse, just like Peter. It's so easy to be distracted by things that cause others to fear, but really and truly should have no power over us. It's in our nature, though. So we have this serious ability to self-destruct, to mess things up and to do things the hard way. And we also have the ability to totally overestimate our faith at times. It's so easy, just like Peter, for us to collapse at the moment that we think we are the strongest. The problem is, it's impossible to form a reliable estimate of your faith until your faith is tried. That's why it's so important to keep the object of your faith that same strong anchor. That's why it's so important to never take your eyes off Christ, for we never know at what moment we might collapse. Peter had kept his focus on Christ, and if he hadn't been distracted by the wind and the waves, which could do him no harm in those moments, he would have made it to Christ. But he brought trouble on himself by disbelief. Peter's faith seems strong. But he's told in a moment that his faith is little. His faith is only little because he took his eyes off Jesus. The object of his faith. That's why he began to sink. The measure of our faith is not what matters. The object of our faith is what matters. For Christ is strongest while we are at our weakest. He is constant. And if we focus on him as the object of our faith, then our faith is constant too. I could ask you this morning, is your faith strong or weak? But maybe it's better to ask you, what is the object of your faith? What is it that you're focusing on? For that would answer the question far better. Peter's confidence turns into his collapse. And then we hear his cry. Verse 30. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And any critic of Peter could easily turn around now and say, how the mighty have fallen. A moment ago he was walking in the sea and now he's almost beneath the waves. And again it illustrates the first point. Peter, yes, he was more than keen to walk out to meet Jesus in the water, but it's Jesus who bids him to come. It's by obedience to Christ that he comes out onto the waves. It's his own fault that he's fallen, but Christ has called him into the midst of the storm. Obedience can lead to storms. But Peter doesn't actually sink. He's only really beginning to sink when he cried out. He's still the time to cry out to his Savior. But he will be lost, taken by the waters, if Christ doesn't save him. He's at the mercy of the tempest. Surely he would drown in no time if he was left to his own devices. It is only Christ who can save him now. It's only ever Christ who can save. What then is Jesus' response? What does he do when he hears Peter's cry? Well, first he caught him, and then he taught him. He caught him, and then he taught him. It says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
how often we get ourselves into trouble. And we have to call to Christ from, for help from a place of distress that we caused all by ourselves. Thankfully for Peter and for us, Christ is gracious. He does not leave Peter to reap the fruit of his unbelief as he easily could. Instead, his response is instantaneous. He doesn't delay when the cry is urgent. It's no different when we call to Christ. He always comes to our aid. He is always willing to save. How wonderful it is that when Christ, that when Peter, sorry, is at the worst in this account, when he's sinking beneath the waves, when he's fearing for his life, crying for help at the mercy of the tempest, that's the point that he's closest to Christ. He was closer to Christ when he was sinking than when he was walking. Because his hand is now in the hand of the man who walked in water. And he lifts him up, takes him back to the boat. He could walk again now that the Lord held his hand. How marvellous it is to know that in the worst moments of the Christian life, when things could easily overwhelm us, and sinking seems to be all that we're doing, Christ can step in to rescue. How true is the saying that when life knocks you on your knees, you're in the perfect position to pray. Because as we turn in prayer, Christ is, is closer than ever. When the storms come, We've no option but to go to him and to call to him for help. We even have reason then to thank God for the storms. For by them we grow closer to him. We focus more clearly on the object of our faith and are closer than ever to our Savior. As Spurgeon once said, we should learn to kiss the waves that throw us against the rock of ages. Peter's cry is answered swiftly. He is caught with no time to waste. So Christ caught him and then lastly he taught him. He says, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Such a simple and gentle rebuke. But it must have cut Peter very deep. Because here's the master of the sea. Why would you doubt him? Why would you doubt the one who you've seen calm the sea, who you've just seen walk in the sea? If it's easy for Peter to stumble, then it's just as easy for us. Folks, if it's right to trust in Jesus at all, then it's right to trust him altogether. In everything and for everything. Always mindful of keeping him as the sole object of our faith. The sole focus. We dare not take our eyes off him. Why would we ever want to? We see the results of looking elsewhere and the difference when we focus on him. No matter what you're sinking in, no matter what you think you may be stained with, and no matter how far you are from the peaceful shore, Christ will always hear your cry. And he always has the power to lovingly lift you from the waters. Don't do it by half. Don't try and keep one eye on Jesus and one eye elsewhere because it never works. It never has worked. It never will. But instead, trust him in everything, for everything. Faithfully serve him. Sing his praises always. Forget about your surroundings altogether. And keep your eyes on the Savior. And walk along hand in hand with the Son of God through every storm of life. Amen.
Well, we try and put a lot of thought into the last hymn, but really, today there wasn't much thought really required because very appropriate words to our final hymn. Let's stand and sing as we uh, sing the words of love lifted me.
benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority, both now and forevermore. Amen.